Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The New York Giants were one of the feel-good stories of the 2022 season. After an embarrassing performance on national TV, no G-Men supporters are feeling very good. Also, the Steelers have to navigate a knee injury with Kenny Pickett, and Zion Williamson is ready for a new season. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. New York Giants in desperate need of a victory. They hosted the Seattle Seahawks. We're making the trip all the way from the West Coast, about as far as you can go out to MetLife Stadium, and it was the Seahawks who prevailed, even without Geno Smith, for part of this game, a 24-2-3 throttling at the hands of Pete Carroll and company. Patricia Trena is at MetLife. She was there to witness this disappointing performance in person that drops the G-Men to one and three. And Patricia, uh, after being the feel-good story of the 2022 season, there's not much to feel good about right now in Giants Nation, what has gone wrong for them? Just about everything you can think of, Pete, has gone wrong. I mean, the offensive line is a mess. Daniel Jones is playing like he did a couple of years ago when we were all wondering if he was going to be anything. The play calling has been all over the place. The defense has lost its edge. Special teams has been an absolute mess. Injuries, you name it, it has gone wrong for the New York Giants. But other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Is is probably the uh, the the real response there. Um, the the difference from last year to this year, then, because there were talent problems last year, to be sure. Uh, and and so you come in this year and you think, okay, you're two, Brian Dayball. He's the coach of the year. You 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 think that you can build some momentum. There was some like stealth Super Bowl talk with this team. So what is what is the biggest difference then last year to this year? It's hard to say for sure. I, I just feel like the team is not cohesive. Mm. You know, I think there's effort there, but it's just not coming together. I mean, you, you question how some of the players are being deployed. Like, for example, Darren Waller didn't get a target. You know, I think he got one target in the first half, and we didn't see him again until the second half. Paris Campbell, they've been misusing him since he's gotten here. Um, like I said, the offensive line has been a disaster. I think this was like their fifth combination because they had some injuries. And it's just, you know, they're missing that bite. And it's almost like, you know, who are who are these giants, you know? I don't think they have an identity. I don't think they even know what their identity is. Is it too early to have the conversation about the Daniel Jones contract for those of us who were not in the moment going, this is a disaster anyway? I mean, people are already talking about it now, you know, and they're always going to talk about it until Daniel Jones proves otherwise, until he comes out and he wins, you know, a Super Bowl. So, you know, look, what's done is done. He's going to be the quarterback of this team this year as well as next year. They can get out of the contract after next year if they so choose. But, you know, right now, what's, what other options do they have? They can go to Tyrod Taylor, I suppose. But is he really a better option at this point, given that the offensive line is garbage, given that the play calling has been questionable, and that the skill position players are, are just not getting it done? I think that raises questions then about the makeup of this team. If we think Brian Dayball is a good, a good coach, and I think you and I agree, he is a good coach, then that has to fall at the feet of 
of management and, and the way that this team is structured then, doesn't it? You would think, but I think part of it was how they got this team ready. You know, we go back to training camp and I know I question the different offensive line combinations and not allowing that unit to gel. Mm. I question wisdom in only having the starters play in the preseason for one series. You know, I just feel like this team hasn't come out of the gate ready. And we saw this with Joe Judge a couple of years ago. I questioned it then. I'm questioning it now. And then, you know, pretty soon everything starts to snowball. And 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 it's to the point now where, you know, again, how do you stop the bleeding? Because that gash is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, how will the Steelers navigate this Kenny Pickett injury? Before we answer that, LeBron James is not the face of the Lakers anymore. At least according to LeBron himself. I've never had a pair of shorts that made me look good while also being as comfortable as a pair of bird dogs. Bird dogs, they just make you look good. They're a stretch khaki short designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you a truly sculpted look. And they fit like a dream. Bird dogs invented this cloud knit fabric that looks like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. They also use this anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. You can seriously go from the couch to the golf course to a night out with the same pair of bird dogs on. They're the most comfortable pair of shorts I ever owned. It's why I own a, a drawer full of them. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on or enter promo code locked on for a free water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on or promo code locked on for that free water bottle. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. LeBron James sounds ready to pass the torch to teammate Anthony Davis as the leader of the LA Lakers. Like the whole thing because well, I mean, of But that's not a new line for LeBron. LeBron sure. has tried to, I mean, LeBron has been trying to elevate of course. Anthony Davis as the, 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 the front man, so to speak. Sure, but it becomes it becomes just a different dynamic and maybe a little bit easier to answer if you know that LeBron is going to say literally on this day, it's Anthony Davis's team. If nothing else, you can talk about what it means for it to be your team, however you define it, without it stirring any type of waves or whatever in your head if you're not exactly sure what LeBron's going to say. What Where I do think this matters, though, is just... This, that there's no push-pull going on. Like, it doesn't feel like that has happened and is happening. And, you know, we've seen this before, just you know, the Lakers, Kobe and Shaq, or a team you and I covered, Dwight 1.0 with the Lakers, where there was this expectation that Dwight Howard should have been demanding Kobe pass the torch to him. And... You know, putting aside their personality clashes and whatever, Kobe was not going to be passing that torch until he was, you know, retired. That was not going to happen. And it was not fair to ask Dwight Howard to be demanding that, you know, like some type of transition or whatever. And it's nice to know that however both of them define whose team it is, it seems to be in a way that's really simpatico. Damian Lillard is a Milwaukee buck, but Giannis and Tedekumbo knows they still haven't won anything yet. No, it's uh, obviously having a guy like Dame on the team, it's um, it's unbelievable. Um, knows how to play the game, uh, plays the game in a high level. 
um, built from the same cloth, uh, wants to win, is extremely hungry. Uh, you know, but you know, I've been here 10 years and we've been doing things quietly. You know, uh, we kind of be moving under the radar, and now you know, with this kind of move. Uh, it brings a lot of uh, you know attention to the team, and there's a lot of hype around the team. And uh, obviously, we, I believe, and I think people believe that we are uh, one of the best teams in uh, in the East. But at the end of the day, it's not about what we believe or what people believe. It's about what we what we do. You know, um, so going to the season, we gotta we gotta build good habits. We gotta be on the same page. We gotta lead this team. You know, uh, but we gotta we gotta play the game. That's why it's a game. We're not going to talk the game, we're going to play the game this year, but we got we to gotta stay locked in. Something about the Achilles this year. That's why they call it the Achilles heel. Buffalo Bills cornerback Tredavious White tore his right Achilles on Sunday. Coach John McDermott said that White will miss the rest of the season. White suffered the injury while covering wide receiver Tyreek Hill on a fourth and one play in the last minute of the third quarter in the Bills' 48-20 win over the Miami Dolphins. White was attended to by athletic trainers and threw his helmet in frustration. The Bills' entire sideline surrounded him before he was carted off into the locker room, and what makes this truly brutal is the injury comes less than two years after White tore his ACL on Thanksgiving Day in 2021. He was just getting back to being his old self, and then this happens. It's... In what promises to be the first of many changes this offseason, the Los Angeles Angels are moving on from manager Phil Nevin. The team announced they will not pick up his option for the 2024 season. Los Angeles will have its fourth manager in six years since the departure of Mike Sosha. Nevin went 119 and 149 in his first major league managerial job and missed the postseason in both of his seasons at the helm. He was promoted to the Angels manager in June of 2022 when Joe Madden was fired in the middle of a 14-game losing streak. The Angels staring down the barrel of a teardown as Shohei Otani is due to become a free agent. And Mike Trout has been given permission to seek a trade. Anaheim may see a very different baseball team next year. And the Milwaukee Brewers are headed into the wildcard series shorthanded. Brandon Woodruff will miss the series against the Arizona Diamondbacks due to a shoulder injury, manager Craig Council said on Monday. Woodruff made 11 starts earlier this season but missed more than two months because of shoulder inflammation. He returned to the big league roster in August and pitched really well, going 4-1 with a 2.13 ERA over eight starts. In his last regular season start on Saturday, Woodruff struggled against the Miami Marlins and later said he felt some discomfort. Council added Woodruff's availability for the entire playoffs should the Brewers advance past the wildcard round is in some doubt. Here is another story you need to know. The good news for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett appears to have missed a significant injury to his knee. It is just a bone bruise. The bad news is given the way that he's played so far this season, it's reasonable to wonder if Mitch Trubisky is a downgrade at all if he does have to play for Kenny Pickett. Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers joins me now and was nodding his head through that. So that, that makes me wonder, where are we right now with Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh, Chris? 
You know, people thought, and Mike Tom even said they, the Steelers were making progress with Kenny Pickett after their after their first three games. You know, it was a really rough first game against the Niners, made some progress against the Browns, then a little bit more progress against the Raiders, and there were some signs of moving forward. And then all those signs disappeared when you get Molly Wapped by the Texans, thirty to six. And I think that's where it, it all comes down to. And you know, I don't even have the all twenty two film yet, but like you, I could tell just watching the game as it was happening, like. He wasn't getting his eyes downfield. He was panicking and bailing clean pockets before they even broke. And there were sometimes he was under legitimate pressure and things the Steelers' offensive line could have done better. But it's just it's just been an erosion of all the progress that you saw throughout the end of last season and even in the last the last two games before that Texans game. And granted, yes, it is a very good sign. You know, we we were in the Steelers' locker room. He was walking around without a knee brace on. So. Very good signs that he'll be back soon. You know, maybe not this week. They might play Mitch Trubisky this week and then go to the bye week after that and then bring him back so that he has two full weeks of rest and time to refocus. But yeah, Kenny Pickett took some steps backwards in this game. And it's it, the big conversation in Pittsburgh. There's some that think that it is that it is on Kenny Pickett. And I, I think there are some things are also. But there's a lot of people who say it's just on the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, who either A, can't call plays, that's what most people say, or B, can't relay the importance of where to look in his plays to Kenny Pickett. Either way, Matt Canada has not had a good first two and a quarter seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers as their offensive coordinator. I was talking to an NFL source recently about something unrelated to Matt Canada, and Matt Canada came up in a disparaging way from this particular person, and I was like, oh, so... Matt Canada is as bad as his critics say he is. And this source was like, yes, straight up. Yes. So there is a perception in the league as well, at least from this person that I spoke to about Matt Canada, where, where do you fall on this? Because I watch this team and I go, okay, there's offensive line problems. They can't run the ball. There's structural issues on offense. Like this seems to be a multi-leveled problem to my eyes. What do your eyes see? It is a multi-level problem. But I, I want to provide proper context. When Matt Canada first took over as offensive coordinator, that wasn't his offense. That was Ben Roethlisberger's offense. That they did what Ben Roethlisberger did when they wanted to do it, and that's how that the 2021 offense flowed. The 2022 version of the Steelers with Matt Canada was a very limited offense. You got a rookie quarterback or a backup quarterback, and you have an offensive line that was terrible until they were kind of mid in this in the second half of the season, and that and they were kind of very limited in who they were. The thought was this season they were going to be a more balanced unit. The offensive line was going to be better. Kenny Pickett was going to be better, and they could expand the playbook a little bit more. And that hasn't happened. And this is my thing. I know people are talking about, oh, the Steelers run some basic plays. The Steelers haven't hit on their basic plays. And that's the issue right now. The, Matt Canada can't even get to call complex plays that are based off of any successful things that the Steelers do regularly because they don't do anything well regularly. And that also comes down to coordination, right? Like he, like a part of part of a offensive coordinator's job, especially with a young quarterback, is getting them to understand when to go, where to go with the ball at the right times in different situations based off of what defenses are doing. And the Steelers aren't getting that from him. Now, I don't think the Steelers are going to fire Matt Canada mid-season. That's just not been their way. I don't think they fired a uh, offensive coordinator mid-season since like 2000, but this is but a lot of people in town are calling for something like this to happen. Maybe they move the duties of what an offense coordinator does to to find different things to do. Mike Tomlin promised change after this game. I mean, promise he just said, you know, no, we better change after 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 the way that we we've, we've looked. 
But that's the big question is, will that happen? Or will Kenny Pickett just kind of get the same thing? And we just see this in for in perpetuity. And then if that does continue for the long stretch of the season, then there become questions about Mike Tomlin and what is, you know, what is his future in Pittsburgh? He has not signed an extension yet. And I believe his contract is up after next season, which in Pittsburgh, normally, if, if you're the head coach, you get that extension before that even happens. So it's not a discussion going into your last year. It hasn't happened yet. I'm very eager to see how this plays out. Stay up to date on the Pittsburgh Steelers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Steelers on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, Zion Williamson is ready for a new season. It's been a turbulent couple of years for Zion Williamson. Injuries have derailed any shot at Zion taking over the league like everyone thought he could when he was drafted. And by the way, like he showed flashes of at various points over the course of his young career. Locked on Pelicans host Jake Madison spoke with Zion at Pelicans Media Day about the upcoming season. How was the offseason? You know, there's been a lot made of kind of different preparation you've done, being more in New Orleans. You know, what were some of the changes you made to everything? Just learning even more about my body, uh, where improvement was needed, and just continuing continuing to work on it, not just making it an offseason thing, but continuing it into the season and just further building my relationship with the Pelicans as well and knowing, letting them know that I do trust them. It's really easy to get excited if you're a Pelicans fan. Zion shows up at media day. He's looking svelte. He's looking chiseled. But this is like the first day of a new diet, not to be too on the nose. It is easy to stick to that new diet the first week. But then what happens? It's all smiles and sunshine right now for Zion Williamson. But We've seen the little glimpses. It's not the little glimpses that we're worried about. It's sustaining it. And so it's great to be excited about Zion Williamson right now. I am. I hope we get to see him play basketball. But we have seen far too little of it to this point. Let's hope we get to stick to our Zion diet. And hopefully he can stick to his. And finally... The average time of a nine-inning Major League game dropped to two hours and 40 minutes in the first year of the pitch clock. That is a 24-minute decrease in a season of change that resulted in a spike in batting averages and the most stolen bases in nearly 40 years. There were just nine three-and-a-half-hour games, down from a record 390 in 2021. The average of two hours and 40 minutes is comparable to baseball in 1985. Not coincidentally, Major League Baseball saw its largest attendance spike in, you guessed it, 30 years. 17 of the 30 teams drew more than 2.5 million fans, matching the most in MLB history. And eight attracted more than 3 million. Safe to say the pitch clock is a success. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports today, who will get a leg up in the wild card series? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.